0: The foundation of JRPGs, why it's called Dragon Warrior in North America, if grinding sucks or not, Nintendo power, and the value of fairy tales. I'm the Well-Read Mage, and this is Magecast. Magecast is the podcast for conversationalists about conversation in a world where we've stopped listening to each other. To discuss the origins of JRPGs with me, musician, writer, and Dragon Quest student Russell Gordon joins the party. Russell contributed to the harmonic tapestry of both Magecast and Story Mode podcasts with his original music, and I think you'll find that he has some excellent insights into Dragon Quest I, as well as the entire Dragon Quest series. So, hearken to the voices of Yonder Bard and Host as we visit the era of proto-RPGs. Forsooth this beeth mage cast, and I be thy host, Moses Norton, a.k.a. the Well-Read Mage. How the heck are you, ladies and gentlemen? Thanks for tuning in. Uh, tonight, if that little tidbit of Elizabethan English didn't titillate enough, we're going to be talking about Dragon Quest I. And joining me as a guest that I have had on the show uh, before when we were talking about Monster Hunter World, it is the Bard himself, the musician, the writer, Russell. How are you? Yo 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 yo. <laughs> yo yo. Is that is that a line from your from your latest minstrel poem? Uh yeah sure. We'll <laughs> go with that. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been up to, dude? Uh, you know we haven't chatted for a while on this show. Well, how I can't even remember how long ago <laughs> that was. It felt like a decade ago. I think it was um, like February, something like that. Was it really February, or March? I don't know. Huh. I mean, I believe you. It was definitely <laughs> before I took a break from like April through to September. But well, so what have you been up to? Have you been recording any new tunes? Have you been playing any great games?
1: Uh yeah. Uh, I've had a lot of free time lately. Actually, just just due to the, uh, you know, the state of the world right now. So. I've had a lot of free time to just work on some projects uh, and play a lot of video games. Um, and I'm quite happy with that. Yeah. As long
0: as it lasts, right? What are you yeah. playing right now?
1: Uh, I've been playing a lot of Genshin Impact. Ah. Yeah. Have you, have you heard of it? Uh, I think from you.
0: Or no. Oh. Did you mention it at all? I mentioned it once, yeah. Okay. Then it can't have been
1: you. Somebody, <laughs>
0: somebody today on Twitter must have mentioned it.
1: Oh. Well, how's it's, that? It's great. Yeah yeah it's it's like do you know anything about it i
0: know that uh somebody compared it to pokemon sword and shield and they are like what? guess guess which one is the billion dollar franchise and like sword and shield looks gaunt compared to <laughs> <laughs> how like detailed and
1: gorgeous genshin impact is it, it's a gorgeous game yeah it's it's like it's like chinese breath of the wild but like it's, it's like, almost better in some ways. Uh, like, the combat is very good. Um, wow. Yeah, it's it's a free-to-play, like, Chinese online RPG kind of thing. Okay,
0: so it's free-to-play. Is this an MMO?
1: Not an MMO, no. Okay.
0: Well, that's a good sell. Yeah. On me, at least. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, when you... So, I'm looking at this picture right now of the character... Uh, kind of looking over this uh, cliff by the mm-hmm. ocean, and when you said Chinese Breath of the Wild, I was like, I could believe that.
1: Yeah, it's 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 the the areas are very like China, like rural China inspired. So it's got all these like stone forests and all that. It's it's just like it's beautifully done. Wow! And it's got all the same kind of exploration elements that Breath of the Wild has. Like it's got all the gliding and all the different, like, shrines that you can find and puzzles in the overworld. Uh, it's just, it's like a joy to explore just like Breath of the Wild is.
0: Wow. And so it's I, free.
1: Yeah. And I wouldn't, I i I, say, I would say, like, I would actually pay full price for the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it's, f- the fact that it's free kind of cheapens it a little bit. Right. Um, when
0: you say, well, that's why I asked, yeah. is it an MMO? You know, because it, it kind of has that vibe to it. Like, okay, well, where's the... What's the Where's cat? the strings attached? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it, it has some gotcha elements to it. So like, you know, you can you can buy like a a pack to potentially get some good like weapons or or certain characters or things like that. But those are like really just tacked on to just an um, amazing game. I see. Yeah.
0: Well, that's cool. I mean, it definitely looks beautiful. Maybe I'll check that out. But yeah.
1: is it only on PC? It's on PS4, PC, and xbox right now and it's coming out for switch at a later date oh ho! Oh, well maybe i'll check it out on ps4 yeah man we can play together oh really yeah not an ml but you can do like dungeons and stuff together
0: right right okay yeah. well that's cool custom characters because that's a big sell for me
1: no but there are like a lot of different characters that you can get okay uh, and they all play like completely differently from each other well, that's cool. Yeah. Wow. Genshin Impact.
0: So mm-hmm. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I, uh, I need to finish that Vagrant story first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Like I was telling mm-hmm. you about uh, two guides. Don't fail me now. Uh, <laughs> I've been playing a lot of, see, this is the thing. If I can put this down, mm-hmm. then I can finish other games. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Hades uh, yeah, from Supergiant yeah. Games. Did you Have you played that yet? No. I haven't downloaded, though. Oh, really? Okay. Are you a fan of roguelikes? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I was burning out. So I wrote a review on this, and this was kind of the theme of that review in short. was I was burning out on roguelikes. Just kind of really getting tired of... Like, like what? Like just of the gameplay loop. I mean, the loop itself is satisfying. And when I play a good roguelike, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then like a couple days later, <laughs> I'm just like, eh, I've had enough of this. Um, so I'll, I'll burn through them really fast. And then eventually I just feel like, like, why am I playing this? Why am I still playing this? I get so that,
1: yeah.
0: with Hades though, what I found was interesting is the game, despite being a roguelike and like most of those just are built on bare premises, like, you need to get out of here, or you need to go explore there, or you need to survive for X amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hades, though, actually has a, like, a big cast of characters uh, with their own like arcs and subplots, um, an overarching plot to the whole game that requires multiple playthroughs in order to fully explore and unpack. Mm. So... Uh, I was just blown away that they took the format of the roguelike, which is definitely built toward gameplay, and managed to craft a story that fit that format. And I just thought it was hmm. such an, a satisfying addition uh, to this. So, you know, very well voice acted, uh, and incredibly stylish, as you've seen, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Uh, so, the, well, I will take your recommendation, and I highly recommend. That you play, uh, yeah, 80, definitely. 80s as well,
1: yeah, um, I definitely will. It's it. I know it's been on a lot of people's like top twenty twenty game list.
0: Yeah, uh, I hope it takes some awards. It definitely deserves it. Uh, it's a really, yeah. really great,
1: polished experience. Yeah, and Super Giants put out a lot of stuff before, so
0: yeah. Uh, and I have their their Pyre. I've never played Pyre yeah. yet. Um, Was it Transistor? Is another Transistor one Transistor Bastion? Bastion? Oh, Bastion uh which i do have downloaded as well i never played
1: yeah it's one of those games you get on like a in like a steam sale or something for yeah. like five cents yeah now they had a
0: it. they had a sale for it on switch for like three dollars so i was like oh i've always wanted to play that
1: yeah and then
0: so i just spent three dollars on an icon because i haven't played it so <laughs> but tonight well we're not going to talk about any of those games in depth this is mage cast episode 53 Entitled, I Say Warrior, You Say Quest. Warrior. Quest. Warrior. Quest. (laughs) Dragon Quest was released as Dragon Warrior in 1989 in North America for the NES. It was developed by Chunsoft and published in Japan by Enix and in North America by Nintendo. I want to let you know that uh, this is a spoilers cast. Now... With that, I also want to say this game came out in North America in 1989, and as we'll get into tonight, it's also not the most like narratively dense story, so I don't think that you'll be too concerned with spoilers, but if you are one of those folks who is concerned with spoilers, check out a different episode if you haven't played this yet. Uh, Another thing to note is testimonials dominated the comments that we received about this game for this episode. Like Groff Metal's comment, who said, I, like most people, got this game for free with my Nintendo Power subscription, and it changed my life forever. This game is one of the most important games in my life, and still one of my favorites in the series. As for Mage Facts... To kind of get a little bit of context about this game, Uh, the titular distinction between Dragon Quest and Dragon Warrior was actually kept up until 2005. So I did not know that they were. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's a long time.
1: Yeah, it's been it's it was known longer as Dragon Warrior than Dragon Quest. Wow, when you play that way,
0: yeah, that's crazy, huh?
1: Or yeah, yeah, about by a year now. Wow, or two.
0: Huh. So Uh, that's interesting. So and that's kind of because the naming conventions obviously very you know famous for the NES Super Nintendo eras, yeah, uh, because you know they they made odd localization choices like Final Fantasy two or Final Fantasy four, Dragon Quest, Dragon Warrior. I'm not sure what was like the the difference between Quest and Warrior that they were trying to get toward, um, but they kept it up till 2005.
1: It was uh there was like an old pen and paper RPG called Dragon Quest, uh, in the eighties. So they were trying to get rid of, you know, they, it's not that they were actually, uh, approached by them, but they wanted to avoid any conflicts with that. So they went with a different name.
0: Ah, uh, I see. And then now it's so famous though. Just like screw that old game. Yeah. <laughs> Let them try and
1: come after us now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Second fact, Dragon Quest was popular in Japan but was not as well received in the west as Dragon Warrior. But by the time Dragon Quest I was released in the west, DQ4 had already come out in Japan. Uh and that was a fact that you submitted some of these we mm-hmm. we
0: interchanged. Um I didn't know that. There's a lot that I discovered about this game like today.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really unfortunate that, you know, it was just it took so long to come out, but by the time these games came out, it, it already seemed uh, they are. They already seem kind of old. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense as far as it's it's mixed reception. Yeah, especially back back in that time, you know, a three a three year difference means so much. Whereas today, you know, twenty seventeen games look the same as games that would come out today, but back then, nineteen eighty nine versus nineteen eighty six is massive.
0: Yeah. No, that's definitely true. I mean, you're talking about. Uh, I mean you could easily tell a Super Nintendo game apart from an n e s game uh, mm-hmm. and yeah that's that's definitely true that time difference would be
1: humongous and that that same that same thing uh of releasing games late here in the West continues throughout this, the whole series basically, which is unfortunate
0: Did, uh, all the way up until uh eleven pretty much yeah oh, wow wow uh, maybe that kind of explains why. Sort of kind of got the gist in attempting to promote this episode that uh, this series is very fond to a lot of people, but it's not Final Fantasy at the same time. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it it hasn't achieved kind of I would say uh, Eleven has hit the nail on the head as far as like mass appeal. Um, Yeah. But for a long time, it's it seemed like not as popular over here. No,
1: yeah, people just kind of look at Dragon Quest as like, oh, it's, you know, we owe a lot to it, we respect it, but it's, I've never played it, (laughs) you know? Yeah,
0: and that was me until, well, I'm not going to spoil that. We'll talk about that in a minute. (laughs) Next fact here says, the first three games in the Dragon Quest series form a trilogy. So DQ is slightly different than FF in that regard. Mentioning Final Mm. Fantasy there, um, that was one of my biggest questions before I started Dragon Quest played the first game and played a little bit of Dragon Quest 2 got distracted as I frequently do uh, Final Fantasy where it's kind of famous for that every main numerical title is a different interpretation is a different world um, has different you know, core gameplay and stuff like that whereas dragon quest at least the first three games form
1: a trilogy does that kind of play out through the rest of the series as well uh four five and six are also sort of a trilogy not not as as uh, clearly at, it's not as clearly a trilogy as one two and three are okay uh, and when you say but, that it was like one two and three are like uh midquel sequel prequel right yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and 4, 5, and 6 are more kind of... It's kind of... You don't really know exactly which one is a prequel, which one's a sequel, and, and, and so forth. Okay, I see. Dragon Quest One began a multimedia franchise including 11 main titles, numerous spin offs of various genres, several manga, anime, novels, and even a Netflix show. Or Have actually, you seen Netflix the Netflix movie? Show? Oh, yeah, I actually watched it today.
0: <laughs> oh, really?
1: Yeah. Kind of in preparation for this? Well, how was it? It was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting. So it's it's an adaptation of 5, Okay. Uh, which is my favorite one. Uh, and it, it takes some interesting liberties with it um, towards the end. But it's, it's pretty solid. I th- you definitely have to play the game before you watch it, though. Okay. That was probably my biggest question,
0: because I was like, I mean, I would be down to check this out, but then at the same time, if I'm not going to understand what's going on, because I have to play the game first, then forget it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, play the game. Okay.
0: But you And you said it was an
1: adaptation of five. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, now here's the deal, though, is I really want to play eight, because I bought eight. Should I play eight?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Easy sell. laughs> of course, play any of them. Okay. Well. <laughs> That's my, um... If you have do you have eleven though I mean if you have eleven, I would recommend that
0: no so i I don't have eleven uh, and one of the big reasons why i didn't pick it up um, despite you know fairly overwhelming positive reception mm-hmm. uh, closer to launch or even after that was uh, I like to approach these established ongoing series. By getting a sense of their foundations before I jump in, yeah. So that was my motivation to pick up um, the Switch collection of Dragon Quest One, Two, and Three, um, which I I I really enjoyed. And a lot of I mentioned that to some people, and they were like, "Well, yeah, I mean, you do know that you know the story of Dragon Quest One doesn't exactly like you know it's not super relevant to Dragon Quest 11 No. Um, and I was like, "No, I understand that, but uh, I like to know." what are like the foundational tropes, what are the themes, what are the the systems that are at the basis of this tower, if you will, this series, mm-hmm. um, so that I can better understand a later entry. So I definitely didn't want to start with eleven or eight. I picked up eight more recently anyway. But I always wanted to start with the first one, uh personally. Um Yeah. So I'm I glad you look at it. Yeah. I'm glad I did now um So I still don't have 11. It is on my radar. I would love to pick it up eventually. Um, But I do have 8 now. I heard that 8 is quite good. Uh, Would you say that's a decent choice? I mean, you recommend all of them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, 8 is very good. I'd say if you want to play the definitive version of 8, play the 3DS one. Okay. Uh, Because the PS2 one has your pretty good amount of... uh, of grinding, okay, um, and it's a little bit slower since it, it's the first three D game in the series. So they, oh, you see. know, they tried to go all flashy, and it's a little bit slower paced than the other games. But I see it, it, it does everything else very good. Very okay, good.
0: okay. Well, I can't play three uh, Ds. My hands are too big, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I am stuck <laughs> on the PS two for now. Um, but definitely looking forward to eleven. Uh, all right. So the next one here says the Dragon Quest franchise is the twenty-second highest-grossing video game franchise behind Sonic the Hedgehog, including merch and tie-ins. Okay. <laughs> okay. Would you have thought that it would have landed higher or lower?
1: Who I, I would I would think higher probably, but it makes sense since it's it's never been a thing here in the West. Because I believe you- it is the highest. Grossing video game franchise in Japan if I'm not mistaken. I'd believe that hmm
0: I mean I would think I would imagine the only thing in Japan that would rival that what would be uh Mario Pokemon or Final Fantasy Yeah, Final Fantasy is nine uh, Dragon Quest It says six was that I gotta count my zeros here six billion dollars uh, Highest-grossing video game franchises. Yeah, and this particular list on a site called Mm -hmm. titlemax.com includes merchandise tie-ins. So that explains why Pokemon is at the top at $90 billion. Wow. (laughs) That's ridiculous.
1: $90 billion.
0: Because Pikachu's everywhere,
1: you know? Okay. uh, Akira Toriyama, creator of Dragon Ball, famously created the game's artwork, which has influenced the series ever since. Now I wanted to ask you uh does he
0: continue to work on the series? Yeah, he does. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, so he's like this series uh Yoshitaka Amano. He's the I'm,
1: Yeah, actually the for for Dragon Quest it's always been the f- the three uh kind of three dudes who've worked on it since day one. Uh the the game designer Yuji Horii, uh the comp- composer uh what's his name? Oh, I didn't write it. Down. Koichi Sugiyama. There you go and uh And Toriyama here oh. um, they've worked on every single game, cool, and so that probably
0: tends to give them some similarity then in terms of maintaining the 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 quality of this series
1: yeah, quality and consistency
0: would you say that so and again, my brain wants to keep uh, attempting to understand Dragon Quest based mm. off or in the context of something I do understand, like Final Fantasy. Um, so when, I beg your pardon. <laughs> so, so, we're, so where Final Fantasy uh, kind of tends to reinvent its wheel in, in nearly every entry, you know, it's like, this one we're going to try Materia. This one we're going to try, you know, GFs. This one we're going to try, um, you know. GFs? GFs, girlfriends. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this time <laughs> we're, it's Final Fantasy VIII. This time right. we're going to try the Sphere Grid. This time we're going to, you know, and on and on and on. Uh, the Gambit system, uh, yeah. and all that. Does Dragon Quest kind of... Could you say that Dragon Quest maintains its quality over the course of its series because it isn't so determined to take those risks in terms of redesigning its core systems?
1: That's. I think that's kind of the core of what makes Dragon Quest what it is and, and what makes it so so quality. Is uh, it it kind of limits itself to certain certain tropes, but it 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 aims to do those tropes very well, mm-hmm. and that's what makes them very comfortable.
0: So, question is: Dragon Quest Eleven turn based? Yes, it is. Okay, so one of the few kind of remaining bastions of of turn based combat mm. then in in uh, in long running RPG series.
1: Yeah, it's on the avant-garde. Wow. Interesting. But uh, no random battles, though. No random battles. So what do oh. enemies appear on the field? Yeah, they appear on the field, and you, you can just walk right by them. It's, it's kind of strange. Huh. You can just go into a dungeon, and, and you just walk right by every enemy.
0: Huh. Huh. Well, I'm going to go check that Huh. Huh. <laughs> but interesting to note that uh, Dragon Quest has been so consistent. Here's the next yeah. mage fact. Creator Yuji Hori took inspiration from role-playing games like Wizardry and Ultima, but with an eye for accessibility for a wider audience, emphasizing story and simplifying systems of gameplay. Hori said, At the time I first made Dragon Quest, computer and video game RPGs were still very much in the realm of hardcore fans and not very accessible to other players. So I decided to create a system that was easy to understand and emotionally involving and then placed my story within that framework. And kind of the the next fact here Mm. kind of fits into that too.
1: Yeah, so uh, uh, the menu system was based off of Hori's previous adventure game, the Portopia serial murder case. Uh, And then the top-down perspective uh, of Dragon Quest came from Ultima, Ultima, And the first-person perspective in the battles was taken from wizardry. Mm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I just, I just think, like, that that's just a great quote, quote there from Hori. Um, you know, just in, in understanding Dragon Quest, it's, it's just that RPGs were a thing back then, but they weren't popular and they weren't very accessible because they were mainly on computers at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's also great to understanding why Dragon Quest is so simple uh, was, you know, other RPGs on computers back in the day were very complex because they were based on Mm -hmm. D&D, which was already an established, you know, a big old established system uh, that they were trying to emulate into video games. Mm. Um, And in Japan, D&D was not really a huge thing, so they didn't really have a baseline uh, to understanding what rpgs were and so they kind of had to reinvent them in a certain way um and then make them accessible to kids uh and people who weren't very good at uh you know setting up a game on a computer because they were super hard uh yeah i remember super complicated on computers back <laughs> in the day yeah exactly
0: you know, it wasn't as simple as just plugging in you know your floppy disk or whatever you, you had know. to like get it to you know type in all these command prompts to get the game to run and stuff like that. Exactly. Uh, yeah,
1: so it's, it's yeah. It's it's as crazy uh as as simple as it is. It was very innovative. Yeah, just by the by the fact that it exists.
0: So, uh growing up, the the earliest games that I remember playing were on Commodore 64. I barely mm-hmm. remember them though. But I do remember um my dad and one of my dad's friends Drawing up maps, uh, maps, beg your pardon, on yeah. uh, gridded paper, um, having you know, like <laughs> writing out mathematical algorithms and things like that in order to play these games. <laughs> so, I completely, uh, kind of get the, the core of what Hori is saying, and I agree with you, it's such a great quote. It underscores what made Dragon Quest unique, then. And what made it important as well? if we're looking at the difference between the Western RPG and the Japanese RPG, I've encountered some folks who have said, well there's there's not much of a difference now uh, beyond the visuals." I was like, well, hmm. I think there's two different kinds of philosophies uh, when it comes to the Japanese RPG and the you know the Western RPG. But you could definitely see the chasm of difference between right now I'm looking at uh, Wizardry 1 and I was looking at a picture of Ultima 1. I've never played these games, I don't think. But they look extremely complex. I mean, there's numbers and letters all over the screen in some of these screenshots. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot going on. So the idea of simplifying that to make RPGs more accessible is super historically significant. I mean, we would not be fans of RPGs, probably without Dragon Quest, even though I just exactly. played it last year. Which is kind of unusual to say, but if it provided a foundation, it alongside Final Fantasy I and a few other um, early GRPGs, providing a foundation for the GRPG to really impact the West, especially during the 90s, Um, and kind of getting people on board uh, this genre, then that's that's a huge impact. Yeah, you nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this here kind of fits in with what we were talking about, though. Um, And it was something I've always wanted to kind of pick your brain on more. Uh, This says, Dragon Quest formed the basic format for JRPGs. Actually, I first encountered the term proto-RPG, in your first contribution to the site, Russell, uh, several years ago, what does proto-RPG mean to you?
1: Uh, yeah, so when I when I say proto-RPG, I really mean uh, proto-JRPG, of course. Uh-huh. Um, essentially what I mean is there, there wasn't really... A, I, I mean, I kind of already explained it in a way, but uh, there wasn't really a precedent to what an RPG was in Japan. There definitely were RPGs. Uh, in Japan but they were very complicated uh they were very D&D based which Japan- Japanese didn't know much about mm-hmm. um they were on computers um so that was true for Japan as well as the west then yeah i guess but i, be- I believe they were more popular in the west mm-hmm. because we at least you know we at least had D&D d mm-hmm. uh I-, I don't have a stat on that off the top of my head but right 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 yeah um so you know designers had to pioneer uh, what an RPG would, would look like to Japanese people. Mm. Um, uh, at the same time, they were, they, you know, they had to be on home consoles, which were much, much weaker than uh, computers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they had a lot more, you know, uh, hardware limitations.
0: Yeah. And I think that's where uh, it was important then to kind of shift it towards the emphasis on story in the sense of looking at these kind of archetypal stories in fairy tales. So, you know, you've got, you've in dragon quest and we'll get to the story in a little bit. So not to rehash everything, but you've got, you know, the rescuing of the princess, you've got the evil Lord of darkness, you've got the castles and all that sort of thing. And that just, that I think that's more appropriate for that smaller context than, uh, to tell a simple story, you know? Um, sure. That still works. It functions. It doesn't need to be complex. Um, And again, we'll get to that later, so not to belabor that point right now. But, um, you know, I will tell you, after all these years, I I can't remember when you wrote that piece. Uh, It feels like it was a lifetime ago already. But um, that that phrase always stuck with me um, and kind of gave me an appreciation for this game even though I didn't play it. Um, for quite a while hmm.
1: yet, yeah the the proto part of it is is that it's it 's kind of like the default is is the everything in this game is like the default, and then every game that came after it iterated on those default things I see which I think makes a lot of sense uh,
0: and, you know, and there's there's obviously a lot of changes, but I think the important thing to note is that the the core is is there the core is established
1: in dragon quest uh so the toriyama illustrated cover was ditched in favor of some generic fantasy artwork of some little knight fighting a huge dragon much like the legend of zelda nintendo was unsure that its audience would understand this relatively complicated game so it was also packaged with a full strategy guide that outlined the entire quest and mapped all the mazes and that's a quote by Kurt Collada on Game of Sutra. What do you think about the uh, the Western art versus the Japanese art? So uh, I kind of put that out to Twitter
0: today uh, and asked, you know, what, what do people prefer? And I actually found it to be fairly mixed. Uh, there were some people, it seemed like fairly approximately, um, the same amount of people liked the Japanese cover art as they did the as others did the the Western cover art, uh, went, for me... Really? Um, yeah, which I thought was unusual. I, I expected it to kind of be um, less split down the middle. But for me, I, I, I think that um, the Japanese cover art uh, with the hero facing off against that blue dragon um, has a lot of dynamism to it has depth to it, and also you get to recognize that great Toriyama style, uh, which is unmistakable at this point in history. Uh, Absolutely. When I look at the, and again, I I didn't grow up with either of these games, so this is is just an assessment as an adult, purely removed from any sort of nostalgia or anything like that. Uh, When I look at the North American version, I think that it's it's brilliantly colorful. Um, it's painted in this very high fantasy sense, like you're about to read like a you know a fantasy novel, Dragon Riders of Pern, or something. Yeah. Um, I r- really dislike the dragon's teeth <laughs> in the North American version. Uh, Let me take a look at it. Yeah, take a look at that.
1: Oh yeah, geez, Louise.
0: Have you? Yeah, when was the last time what you looked at it? this?
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never really taken a good, good hard look at it.
0: Oh really? Okay. Um, wow,
1: that dragon. Yeah, it looks like it's like stretched out a little bit too much. You know, like
0: yeah, I and mean, it's it's hard to tell. Kind of, I mean, are we looking at the wings or its coils in the background? <laughs> um, I, there's a there's a mistake of including the castle there too. I think because why is it there are we looking at a collage when the rest of the the image is so huge um so like i say it's colorful i like the font um i just don't think it has the same kind of depth as the japanese cover art does um and then there's elements of the dragon itself that perturb me
1: and the and the knight on the cover too he's like he's all like spindly he's like <laughs> He's very gangly. I don't know how to describe it.
0: Yeah, he has very long legs.
1: Long legs. He's in weird position with his sword. Like, that's not where you, your sword should be, dude. <laughs>
0: Why uh, is it behind you? That's funny. Uh, and it says, your mystical quest begins. Search out the dragon's lair. Um, which is not a great tagline, I'm going to say.
1: No, and also it's kind of untrue. Yeah, like, the dragon's like not the end guy. Right, the last boss.
0: Right, the dragon is guarding the princess, uh, but the dragon lord is the last boss. Yeah, exactly. So, huh. well, I mean, so here's here's the, the what I'll I'll give it in this and in, in, in its favor. Here is uh, there's far worse uh, any NES, oh, NES yeah. cover art. <laughs> so yeah. it's not that.
1: bad. It's just it does it just to me it does a disservice to it doesn't do a disservice to the game. I just think in comparison to the original Japanese art, I think
0: it does a disservice to that. It's one of those, I mean, I don't know why they changed the original cover art uh, when they brought it to the West. I I don't know why. It's perfect cover art as the way it is. You know what did have great Toriyama cover art in the West? Chrono Trigger. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Have you seen the Chrono Trigger cover art? Wait, did it? Brother, I know you only played... You only played Chrono Trigger, uh, recently.
1: Yeah, like a few months ago.
0: Oh yeah, it does. Yeah, look, look at it. that. Boom, Toriyama front and center.
1: And that's before Dragon Ball.
0: Yes, interesting to note as we'll get to later on. Somebody asked a specific question yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, it's it's an incorrect image. Um, you don't fight that particular boss on the cover outside in the snow. And also (laughs) the character throwing fire is an ice-based character. Uh, But it's freaking cool, though. (laughs) 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 All right, and the final mage fact here is uh, Dragon Quest was included at one point in time with a subscription to Nintendo Power Magazine. It's also interesting to note that Western magazines compared Dragon Quest to Zelda before it was released that had to be at a glance because i mean if you look at them screen you know side by side uh, side by side screenshots um sure i i think that dragon quest resembles uh visually the legend of zelda one uh but once you start playing the game they're they're pretty different games
1: yeah I mean, yeah, it probably was at a glance, but at the same time, like at the at that time what what else do you compare it to,
0: right? yeah, I guess you didn't know, yeah, um that's a really good statement. I can't think of anything else, I they could have been like it's like adventure on twenty six hundred except it has graphics,
1: I don't know, <laughs> Who knows? and they're both kind of uh open worldish you know. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah which we'll get to.
0: We'll get to. <laughs> There's lots of good stuff <laughs> to come, <laughs> folks, in case you haven't yeah, yeah, gotten yeah. the gist yet. Uh, well, let's get into personal experience uh, to kind of eschew the facts for a bit and get to the subjective. Uh, gotta love this this comment we got from Agnew,
1: <laughs> Agnew the doctor, probably. <laughs> Agnew
0: the doctor, we'll say that. The 1000 Reasons Dragon Quest games make me rock hard for 70 to 100 hours. <laughs> Number one, the music. Number two, blue slime. Number three, the Just level up sound. What? Just the blue one? Blue slime. Number four, the characters. Number five, endgame content. Number six, the world and how it is affected by the story. Number five, boss fights. Number six, level grinding, a contentious issue. Number seven, when the metal slime doesn't run away. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So, uh, what was the first time that you played
1: Dragon Quest? Uh, the first time, it was probably in 2010. Oh, okay. With Dragon Quest nine. So, fairly recent. So, with, so you started
0: with nine. Uh, yep.
1: Do you remember when you played one? One was back when i re- when i did the review for it oh okay. probably 2016 2017 era yeah let me let me look uh real quick i believe it was in hype for 11
0: that makes sense
1: yeah so i i didn't i don't have much nostalgia for for this this game particular mm-hmm. uh
0: that was in uh oh no shoot that's a... <laughs> I was looking at the uh <laughs> The review that I did. I was like, you wrote it last year! No, you re- <laughs> <laughs> yours you wrote in 2017.
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, the reason I bought 9 was just wanted an RPG to play on my DS. There wasn't a whole ton of them besides Pokemon. Uh, I saw the cover art, which was clearly looking like Dragon Ball, so I bought it, and I loved it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, which, what about... Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask you, is Dragon Quest Nine available anywhere else other than DS? No, but there's been rumors, actually, that they might uh, remake it. Oh. Or port it or something mm-hmm. to the Switch.
0: Yeah. Because looking at Switch it, it looks pretty amazing. great. Uh, yeah. I just can't play that, that DS, so... Hopefully One of they the longest
1: it. games in the series. What's that? One of the longer games in the series.
0: Oh, Okay. Um, so uh, a lot of people... Uh, pinned Dragon Quest as their first um, RPG, and not just that, but uh, the game that uh, that gave them a long-lasting love for JRPGs. Uh, such as At uh, Beamstock on Twitter said, "Dragon Warrior, aka Dragon Quest, was the first video game I beat on my own, and it made me fall in love with JRPGs." At Skinny Matt K said, my first JRPG, it's when I fell in love with JRPGs. Do you remember your first JRPG?
1: Because
0: uh, I had to think about th- mine for like a... a-
1: yeah, it's, it's a little fuzzy what it could be. It's either Pokemon Blue or uh, Brian's Quest. Brian's Quest. On Game Boy Color. <laughs> okay. I was like, that's not ringing a bell at all. I don't know. Yeah, some crappy game on the... Yeah, no. <laughs> some crappy EGBC game.
0: Uh, I couldn't really remember. I think mine might be the Final Fantasy Legend on Game Boy, uh, which okay. was actually a Saga game. Um, yeah. But uh, so th- there were some folks, though, that for whom Dragon Quest 1 uh, was their first and, and gave them uh, quite a bit of pleasure. Uh, but there have been several versions of it over the years. Um one such version as we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier you could get with a Nintendo Power subscription. Um I'm going to guess you didn't get that since you just played it recently. <laughs>
1: no, I was uh, I was negative 5 years old.
0: Nice. When that was going on. <laughs> when did that come out? Negative 5 years old.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 90, 90 well 80 no, I think it was 1990 that the uh, the Nintendo Power subscription thing was. So because they released it uh <laughs> Here in the West, and then it did terribly. Mm-hmm. So that's why they did this whole promotion to release it with with the, the the Nintendo Power subscription with all the guides and all that stuff for free.
0: Ah. Wow. Uh, yeah. I So I don't think I ever had a Nintendo Power Magazine subscription. I do remember reading it, but I think it must have just been at libraries and at friends' houses and things like that. So I right. did not know until this week that there was a time when they were giving away free copies of Dragon Warrior with Nintendo Power uh, subscription. But a lot of people did remember that, such as Palin112 said, I got Dragon Warrior with my Nintendo Power subscription. I adored it and its sequel. Also, Ident Invalid said, almost canceled my Nintendo Power subscription just so I could re-up and get the game. I never played any of them. But the official art they included in the coverage had me intrigued and I really feel like I missed out. You know what, dude? You can play it now. You can play old games now. It's great. I played it really? last year, it was it was awesome. Um, but Russell, I wanted to ask you which which version did you play? Have you
1: played multiple versions or did you play the original or what? Uh-huh. I played all the versions except this, the newest Switch one that you played. You played all the versions of Dragon
0: Quest One? <laughs> yeah.
1: No way. Yeah, I've beaten them all, too. Uh, how well- <laughs> <laughs> it's just the perfect, like, thing to have, like, on... I mean, to be fair, all emulated, pretty much. Right. With, like, save states and fast-forwarding and stuff. Okay. That, that's, to me, that's, like, the ideal way to play these games.
0: Right, Is otherwise you're going to be grinding for... For hours. Yeah. Um, grinding with, you know, like, a speed boost on is super satisfying. Yeah, ideal. Uh, So it looks like this thing came out on the MSX, the PC 9801, the Super Famicom, the Game Boy Color, Nintendo 3DS, PlayStation 4, mobile phones, and the Switch. Uh,
1: Woof. Okay, I've not played the MSX version. Yeah, I don't I think played.
0: anybody's played the MSX version. <laughs> well, now you have homework. You got to go play the MSX version. <laughs> if you can find it. It's like an ASCII or something like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I've seen gameplay of it though. It's 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 like every time you move, first of all, you're always looking down. Your character is always looking down and every time you move the 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 screen blinks black for a second.
0: On the MSX version?
1: Yeah, so the every time you move, it's, it's just like it like lags it's 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 fun
0: oh wow well i mean well saying you, you already know your stuff about the msx version you don't even need to dredge that up <laughs> looking at it it's ugly the msx oh, yeah. version oh yeah oh they're like we only have three colors and they're all like a shade of gray yeah. <laughs> it's not like a pretty game uh Let's see here. So Umbral Ice said, if it wasn't for Dragon Quest on NES, I would have maybe never have gotten into RPGs, at least not until way later. It's a very special game to me. At at Derek S. Game Design said, I remember watching my mom play Dragon Warrior on the NES when I was a kid. I remember when she let me play it. It's one of my favorite NES games. So again, lots of, of fond memories from folks about this game. Uh, so cats out of the bag like we mentioned like a hundred times already uh, <laughs> I played it for the first time last year on switch I got this cool version from uh, play Asia the website mm-hmm. uh, that has um, the Japanese art on the cover um, a bunch of Japanese lettering on it um, so it's an import. And because uh, I didn't want to get it digital, I wanted to get it physical. But it was in English, uh, it had multiple language options. Oh, yeah. So, uh, which I checked before I bought it for sure. <laughs> I was like, I really want it physical, but it's only available as an import. But please tell me this has a specific thing. And it did. Uh, I guess if you bought it from Play Asia, they took off the region lock or something like that. Um, So, yeah, so that's how'd you
1: feel about how about how'd you feel about that version?
0: So I uh, I liked it. Um, I had heard nightmares, you know, from some people. Uh, There's always the naysayers. But I was like, I'm going to start Dragon Quest one. And people were like, have fun grinding. I was like, freaking I just dropped like 40 bucks on this thing. How about you say something (laughs) nicer to me? Uh, But. But uh, you know the NES version, I guess, could be very grindy. You could probably speak to that uh, in, here in oh, a yeah. little bit as we get it's into it. It's the grind. most.
1: What's that? It's the most grindy of of them all. Oh,
0: oof! Yeah, he uh, only got one character. <laughs> like you got to do I all know. that grinding for one dude. Um, <laughs> so I I loved it. I guess it's a port of the mobile game. I
1: guess, uh, sort of. Okay. Yeah, the, it's weird. The the mobile game before the Switch one was out was arguably the best version, but it had this one really weird glitch that bothered me uh, and made me say that the Game Boy color version was the best port. And that glitch was that uh, all the like the tiles were like stretched weirdly. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. You mean it, but, like, like, it the, was like, like the sort of like the tiling for the background? Like the Yeah, like the whole game was just stretched weirdly. Uh. No matter what size of phone you had or anything. It was always just like askew in a wrong way, and that just always bothers me if, if, if a game isn't, per, like, pixel perfect.
0: Yeah, it's like, how do you screw that up? I mean... I know. Come on. Or, like, I don't know,
1: set, release an update or something. Yeah.
0: But they never did. Hmm. Well, this is definitely the version to play, then, uh, in my opinion. Uh, there's quality-of-life yeah. updates. Um, it looks great, and, you know, it's not flat-out gorgeous, but, I mean, come on. Looking at a port of, like, a game from 1989. So... Uh, and I thought it was enjoyable. It was, it was briskly paced. Um, I did spend a little bit of time grinding, uh, those gold golems and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but I didn't think it was paralyzing, uh, or anything like that. So Mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, so you gave, now let's pull this out. This will be interesting. (laughs) So you gave the original uh dragon warrior from 1989 um a an aggregate score of 6.1 out of 10. uh and i gave the 2019 switch version an aggregated score of 6.4 out of 10. Uh uh which i think was interesting we were actually fairly close um, but my personal grade was a 7. Yours was a 6. Yeah. So it sounds like I enjoyed it slightly more. I mean, I would hope that after all these versions and these ports that they could they could fix a little bit more than just the graphics. And I think that, yeah, the, the quality of life updates and that sort of thing in the Switch version um, make it pretty great. So I'd encourage you to check it out, man, sometime um, if you do want to play through this game again.
1: Yeah, I, I'd love to... I, I'm actually... Repl- I was replaying a little bit of it today, too. Uh, the Game Boy Color version. Okay. Uh, which is also a very good version. And what makes that one so great? Uh, I think it looks really nice. Um, it, it looks a little bit more, like, visually appealing than the NES one.
0: Yeah, it's very bright looking at it now. Uh, it looks friendly.
1: Yeah, it's just like a nice, cozy little RPG to play on your Game Boy.
0: Hmm, cool. Um... Here's a question from Mr. Thou, who said, correct me if I'm wrong, but you played this for the first time recently and it was a remaster of sorts, correct? Which means you haven't played the insanely grindy original NES version, I'm guessing, <laughs> lucky you. That's the one I grew up on and helped me learn to read. Also helped you learn patience, I imagine. So that brings us to the subject of grinding. Grinding. Do you love it? Do you hate it? couple of thoughts on that. This is from at... Como Dobone, who said, I played and beat it for the first time this year. takes a while to level, but once you're level 25 or so, it's pretty easy to beat the last boss. Don't know what version uh, they played. And then this is from Red Eye Tactics, who said, I'd love to see kids go through the original Dragon Quest. Not the remake, the original. No emulation. It's torture (laughs) until you beat the game. Then it's the best
1: feeling ever. So, <laughs> some that'd be a perfect like kids react kind of video. Yeah,
0: kids react; they just fall asleep
1: <laughs> to grinding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so grinding. Uh, how do you feel about grinding in an RPG? I think there's a distinction, uh, to me to be made. There's there there was an interesting Twitter conversation, uh, or tw- Twitter thread that I, I I was reading through, uh, that makes a distinction between grinding and. Uh, Whittling?
0: Oh, whittling. Yeah. Like what they do to wood. Sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and basically, it, you know, it's just the difference between mindlessly doing something um, with no enjoyment uh, versus kind of a meditative experience. Ooh. Um, kind of getting into like maybe a flow state or something like that, right? Um. And I think in Dragon Quest, you get a little bit of both. Uh, But especially in this first one, you get a lot of just mindless grinding. I see. Which I'm not a huge fan of. And that's why I, I, I prefer to play these games with emulators. I see. I don't really have a whole lot of room
0: to speak... Uh, in the context of Dragon Quest 1 and grinding, because I haven't played the original. And because, like Mm. I said, I I was like, this game's a breeze. What are they talking about, grinding? (laughs) But (laughs) I'm looking at the extremely streamlined version of the game. Uh, I have played some grindier RPGs in my time. Uh, To me, I like grinding if I'm in a position to blow a couple of hours... Um, listening to a podcast, watching TV, putting an album on, you know, I'm just like, I'm going to grind to dark side of the moon, (laughs) just like in the background, (laughs) ah, ah, you know, you're just like getting all these level ups and stuff like that. To me, that's like a meditative experience, but I mean, like almost anything's a meditative experience if you put on dark side of the moon. Uh, but (laughs) It's not something that I look forward to at the same time.
1: Yeah, I I I like, I do enjoy grinding occasionally. Definitely, like when you're given the chance to, uh, kind of just mindlessly do something and and put you know put on an album or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, at at the same time. Uh, But just when there's too much of it, yes, and you just want when you just want to move on, yes, that it becomes a problem.
0: All things in moderation.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Another distinction I'd like to make. I love that whittling. Uh, another mm-hmm. distinction I w- I'd like to make is uh, when you're grinding experience points in an RPG or a JRPG, um, then you know you're getting something out of every minute that you're doing it. You're getting those, those objective skill points, experience points, ability points, whatever it is, which will objectively, reliably, consistently increase your character's stats. That, to yeah. me, is fundamentally different than grinding something like a daily or something like uh, that has a random outcome. Um, like you're just opening up, forgive me for the 90s uh, reference, just opening up booster packs over okay. and over and over again, trying to get that rare card. It, to me, that is super boring. Because sure. I might... I'm trying to think, Like, what was the last game I played that had something like that? Um, might have been Xenoblade Chronicles Two, which I spent an ungodly amount of time, uh, grinding, uh, crystals or whatever it was swe- spheres or something like that to get um, mm-hmm. to get these rare blades, uh, a ton of time, and I didn't even get all these blades, and so a lot of that time, to my mind, is then it's wasted because I'm just. Trying to filter through all of these probabilities to get to this rare probability that might not even come, uh, and that didn't come in that specific instance actually at all. Um, but that's different again to the reliable consistency then of grinding for experience points.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, and f- for grinding, I think it's important that you're always working towards a goal and that you're all you're always. Uh, being rewarded for grinding, you're you're being rewarded for your patience, right? Um, and it helps also with accessibility, uh, in my in my opinion, because you know, for kids who who may not be very skillful at the game, or they may they not be they may not be patient enough to read through all these different stats and spells and all these things, if they just grind enough, you can become overpowered and just beat the game that way,
0: right? Sort of like a blunt force. Yeah, exactly. Direction of taking the game. Um, that is a good point. I would sooner play a tough game that had grinding than a tough game uh, that didn't and sort of forced me into uh, maybe a corner that I didn't want to get out of. Because uh, at least right. you could kind of fall back on that if you need to and sort of adjust that those parameters of difficulty. I'm stuck on a boss. Maybe I'll gain a level or two and come back and try again. I think there's a fine balance to it. And I think that's kind of mm-hmm. what you were suggesting as well is you know, if it's too easy um, and you don't need to grind at all and you could just blow through the whole game, then that's not really satisfying. But then no. at the same time, if it's too hard and you're having to grind 10 levels before you head into each new area, then that's not exactly satisfying as well. Exactly. Did you have to grind in Chrono Trigger, you personally?
1: uh yeah i think i did. did you what part oh i don't remember oh. well you made it up i no, just kidding <laughs> prob- <laughs> probably the end boss
0: oh okay did you go through the black omen
1: yeah okay i think that it oh, it might have been i went through the black omen early or something yeah what is it that that's you do? the
0: end that's like a post dungeon that's some tough yeah. crap. If you went that so route, I so like man. I watched my brother play. We can't talk about Chrono Trigger. What are we doing? We're going to talk about <laughs> Chrono Trigger for a little bit. So I watched my brother play okay. through Chrono Trigger. Um, and I kind of gave him a little bit of guidance. But the first mm-hmm. thing he wanted to do was go with the Black, Black Omen. I was like, go ahead. Save before you go in there, but go ahead. And <laughs> he got thrashed, you know? Uh, and I was like, okay, so you're going to need to figure out some other things to do before you try and take on, like, this... The super boss and the super dungeon and stuff like that, um, but
1: that part yeah. of the game is open anyway. In practically every RPG, I I do some grinding just for just for fun, right?
0: And for safety um, measures, I mean, I feel yeah, more I, comfortable grinding a little
1: bit. Yeah, it's nice that you're given that option. Yeah.
0: So uh, a question that I had and kind of to echo what we were talking about earlier, uh, and some of my thoughts about where I personally would be comfortable starting a, a series as long and as foundational as Dragon Warrior or Dragon Quest. I wanted to start with the first one. But um, I have seen people ask the question, where do you start with a series like this? In your view, is it OK to start with any t- one of these titles? Um, obviously, given that individual players are going to have individual tastes, there are some people who detest like it's an atrocity Old graphics, and therefore you wouldn't recommend, you know, oh, you should play, you know, the Game Boy Color version of Dragon Quest One. But then there are other players that are a little more open to um, a variety of different eras. So, what would you personally recommend to somebody who's never played any Dragon Quest before, Um, and let's say for the sake of this hypothetical situation, that they wouldn't mind playing any era of
1: games? I, I would s I would recommend them play eleven. First. Yeah. Okay. I think it just it's very representative of the entire series. Uh because they're so they're so consistent with each other and they all they all kind of feel like they're in the same world. Um eleven's a great starting point. I mean, really any of them are. I I just think eleven is just it just streamlines all the different mechanics together and it has the most uh coherent story um and it's just it's it's just a great package altogether i think it's the best dragon one of the best dragon quest games do you think
0: that there would be the capacity for somebody to start there uh for them to be disappointed
1: in other entries if they started from the top you know what i mean i don't think so because 11 feels if you've played the other dragon quest games before it feels a little bit like a reboot
0: ah interesting of
1: the series uh it, it kind of feels like they're starting from from square one or something, and, and they're they're doing less experimental things. I see, and I, I would say if probably Dragon Quest one is probably I would not recommend starting with that <laughs> unless you're unless you're someone like you who who is aware um, and and can bypass those uh, like if you're just aware of that it's an old game and that every other game is simply better than it and you can forgive it for those things
0: right 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 so it's the worst dragon quest that you've played we'll phrase it in that sense uh two's not the best either okay two's arguably worse two is interesting because two has like a party yeah and i was like oh i was almost like a little disappointed because i love just that like single hero type thing yeah interestingly only three three party characters though Oh, I thought it was four. It wasn't four. Is that three that has no, it's, four? It's it's three. Yeah. Oh, okay. Huh. Well, I mean, you would know better. Than uh, me, I mean,
1: th- yeah, three has four. Um, okay. I'm getting three. confused. So I would say start. You can pretty much start anywhere. Uh, I would say don't start with one or two. If you're looking for like just like a really solid game, mm-hmm. but eleven's my my big recommendation or five.
0: Okay, five or eleven. And I think, yeah, given the, the series consistency, it sounds like you can just about jump in anywhere. And the only two trilogies yep. then are one through three and was it four through six? Yeah. Okay. So you don't have to worry too much about story then there. And again, to to clarify, I mean, I write about these games from a critical perspective. So I definitely wouldn't expect, like I wouldn't recommend people to start with Dragon Quest one, even though that's what I started yeah. with. Uh, It sounds like DQ 11 is a great game and a great starting place. Um, It sounds like it's highly accessible, enjoyable, polished, all that sort of thing. If you are somebody who wants to start with Dragon Quest 1, I would definitely recommend the Switch version of the game just because Mm. of how much of a breeze it was. It doesn't have a speed boost feature that I recall. I don't think it does. But it was just a really straightforward, streamlined experience. I felt like there was good momentum. There were two times that I needed to grind significantly. um, And I'm talking about like an hour, maybe, um, each time. And then there were a couple times that I got lost. Um, So I went in blind. I was not using a guide. That's my preference, unless it's Mm -hmm. Vagrant Story, in which case, bring on the guides. But for a game as simple as Dragon Quest 1, uh, I still felt pretty comfortable pretty much the whole time not using a guide.
1: W- when did you have to use a guide?
0: Uh, for Dragon Quest 1? Yeah. at all. None. Oh, you didn't? Did I say I did shoot?
1: <laughs> I think I think you did in your review. Did I? Uh, I think just for one part. Let me um, see. Because there's one part I needed a guide for, too. Is it a specific part? Specifically. me look. Um, so, yeah. So, There's this one oh, part where you have to find the... Uh, the
0: the Mark of Urdric.
1: Mark of Erdrich, See, I yeah.
0: forgot. I was just <laughs> thinking about sheer progression. I'm glad you went and read my review. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. That is a specific item that... Uh, now I'm th- trying to think. Did you need it to beat the game? You do. Okay. <laughs> So it's a specific relic that you need in order to access the final castle, that's right? Uh, yeah. Okay. And it is in
1: the middle of an overworld patch of poison swamp. Yeah, you would never, like, you have to, like, especially in the older games, you have to, like, go to the specific tile in this random spot on the overworld that's massive into this toxic swamp and uh, open up the menu and press, like, Search or something, and it was. It's the uh, most obscure thing you would never know to do it.
0: No, yeah, that's true. Right, it looks like it says token of Roto, yeah. Um, Mark of Erd- yeah.
1: They yeah, called Lord. uh Erdrich Roto or Lotto in uh, in some localizations.
0: I see. So, okay, well, I'm glad you remembered.
1: So, I did have to use the
0: walkthrough once, uh, and it was for. The uh the mark of Urdric, oof, yeah. There's no (laughs) way I could have found that on a blind playthrough. Yeah. Um. I'm trying to remember. Is that the only time? Did I mention any other time that I that I had to use it? I don't think so. Okay. I
1: I personally prefer having a guide open. At least having a map of the Uh overworld (laughs) because it just sometimes like there's there's not a lot of uh great pathing for where you're supposed to go in the overworld yeah. so you'll just be mindlessly walking around uh and getting in random battles so I prefer to just have a have a map open.
0: Now, I want to say that the Switch version had a map that you could pull up at any time.
1: Oh, did it. Okay.
0: With yeah. um with blinking icons as to like where towns were and things like that. Okay, um, that's
1: really helpful because none of yeah. the other ports had that. Oh my
0: goodness. Mm -hmm. that was a beef that i had with uh the latter part of secret of mana you know you're flying that dragon around and i'm like where the heck am i supposed to go (laughs) no idea um so yeah an in-game map that that ought to be essential um but i could definitely see without you definitely want that okay so getting on to story um what is this story about in a nutshell is that something that you could I mean, it practically is a nutshell. Let's say that. Yeah. But is that something you could hash out for us? Sure,
1: uh, I'll try. So, Dragon Quest One is just about a uh, a character. He seems to be a descendant of uh, a legendary hero named Erdrick, and he happens upon this castle. And this this land is all destroyed and overrun by monsters. And the princess was kidnapped. And so the king tasks you with saving the princess and then uh, destroying the root of the evil, who is uh, the dragon lord. The dragon lord. And in in the mean, you know, in order to do that, you have to find all these different relics and all this stuff. Typical RPG kind of Easter hunt.
0: That's funny. Yeah, we say typical RPG. This is like the proto RPG, this is where all these typical stuff came from. Yeah. So very much, uh, something I like to clarify about this, very much a fairy tale. And when you read fairy tales, I don't know how many of you listening do read fairy tales. I love to read fairy tales. I love to read folk tales. I love to read myths. Um, I read them to my children sometimes, or um, I'll read them to myself sometimes. I think that there's a lot of value in the most simplified versions of stories that are built for being passed down through generations. They embody core ideals that have been valuable to our species for generations. So recently with playing Hades, you know, I was just impressed that this is the most iconic family drama sitcom, Mm -hmm. uh, Greek mythology is. And, when has Greek mythology ever not been cool? <laughs> it's, it's always around. There's always new interpretations. There's always people retelling those stories and sharing those stories. Um, they're extremely iconic, you know? And in that kind of vein is where I tend to uh, think Dragon Quest itself lands. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that in particular.
1: Yeah, I think you nailed it, and and the uh, you mentioned this in your review too about how uh, uh, the world also has this kind of history to it. Like I mentioned, the uh, you're you're a descendant of an already established like legendary mythological hero who before defeated the dragon lord, and now your his descendant, you are back to uh, kind of pick up the pieces after the dragon lord returns. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's just very interesting that this story takes place in a world that feels kind of lived in and has a history to it. It makes it so much more immersive in a way.
0: Yeah. Uh, Man, you're refreshing my memory. (laughs) (laughs) I should have read my own review and yours. Dang it. So I completely agree. I think that that sense of it being lived in is by way of analogy, kind of the way that our ancestors filled the world with their stories. Um, Mm -hmm. That the world has been lived in by their ancestors. Their ancestors learned how to do a variety of things and they populated their worlds with stories that they passed down of monsters and gods and demons and spirits and all of these things Mm -hmm. um, that continued to haunt the dark for them. Uh, In a pre-scientific era, of course, but even in a scientific era, we're still passing down those stories. And you ask yourself why. I mean we've 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 taken we've taken the lightning out of Zeus in a sense, you know, like I we don't there's no it's not like when lightning goes off, you're like, ah, there's Zeus, he's doing that. Sure. Uh, you know, and if you do if you do believe in a deity, I don't think that you believe in an elemental deity in that sense. Um, but one that's more in perhaps in a deistic or um, you know, watchmaker kind of a sense. But sure um, all that to say though that i think that again the the core the ideas of these stories so the ideas that are core to dragon quest are those core fairy tale ideas the idea of heroism because here you have i mean if we're phrasing this in a modern storytelling sense the idea that a wandering vagrant uh, soldier would walk into a castle, and the king's like, "Hey, you! You're not doing nothing. Go rescue my daughter, and 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 beat the this evil lord." And he's like, "Oh, okay. I don't have anything else going on." Uh, it's that sounds really stupid, but to to phrase it into that kind of context where you're looking at all of the complexity of a human character uh, in that position is, I think, to do it a disservice because that's not this context of story Mm -hmm. um this is you know the story where the hero embodies ideals like uh selflessness courage persevering through solitude and all of those things that that i think that we all could aspire to i mean we could all aspire to be more courageous and so that's why i think that fairy tales like this endure
1: yeah Uh, yeah it's not it's not really meant to be uh like realistic exactly yeah. exactly
0: and i run into a lot of people who expect that kind of realism from mm-hmm. games like this you know i'll run into some people who will i don't want to say bad mouth because that sounds really petty <laughs> <laughs> but will criticize a game that could not have fit half of the dialogue of final fantasy seven into it just because of its hardware uh There's no way they could have told a story so complex in such a small space. And so it was perfectly suited to this kind of story. Um, So there you have that explanation of kind of the necessity of telling this kind of story. But then beyond that, going back to what Hori was saying earlier creating a system that was easy to understand and emotionally involving, and then placing his story within that framework. So you're talking about things that resonate at like a very basic human level. Uh, And I think that's still valuable. I think that's fine. So there's a question here from Lodestar Valor, Mm. uh, which I thought was a wonderful question, uh, who uh, I put out a question, which was, um, have you played Dragon Quest 1? He said, not all the way through, question does it get more engaging over the course of the story i loved uh dragon quest 11 s and would like to learn its foundation but i just can't get through how worth playing through is the original so we spent a little bit of time russell kind of talking about um it not being so worth playing through in terms of gameplay Mm -hmm. Um, but now, to kind of rephrase that question in terms of story, I think that's what we're talking about now. In terms of its its simplicity, that you that people have to understand, there was no other choice as far as telling a story so simple, you know, unless they're gonna nix, you know, other things that are taking up space so that they could essentially make a visual novel. Mm. But this is, I think, this is the 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 most complex. Give or take, that they could have told with the hardware of the time.
1: Uh, I wouldn't. Yeah, you d- don't play Dragon Quest one for the story for sure. In yeah. fact, you'd get most of the story at the start of the game. Uh, right. And then, that's about it for the story. Um. In fact, like as we we're talking about, uh, Dragon Quest is kind of part of a bigger story. Mm-hmm. And if you want the full story, you'd have to play two and three to get a proper idea of where, where that story takes place within the larger, uh, broader story. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like, um, the
0: answer, does it get more engaging over the course of the story is no, because when, when, if we're asking, does it get engaging? Hmm. Or like, would you ask, is the story of Jack and the Beanstalk going to get more engaging? Not really. <laughs> Because it's essentially just as simple as, you know, the pauper gets the seeds, he goes up on the mountain, he gets the harp, or whatever it was in whatever version you're reading. Fights the giant, doesn't fight the giant, the giant falls to his death, and or the, the hero escapes. And that's about it. Um, yeah. So you don't really have, say, character arcs, you don't have character development, you don't have... Um, I mean, is the, he- the hero in Dragon Quest is literally just called Hero.
1: Yeah. So it's <laughs> supposed to be you.
0: Right. It's a player avatar. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not a character in that sense.
1: And it it also comes down to what do you consider the story? Is it the hero saving the princess and defeating the dragon lord or is it like, you know, you go to this town and you know there's this golem attacking them or this this crazy knight attacking them and you want to save these people? Right? and And I, I, I really like that about these games is they were actually all handwritten. Uh, mm-hmm. All the dialogue was all handwritten by uh, Yuji Hori. And uh, so it, it feels like each of these little NPCs, as much as they're kind of these throwaway NPCs, they almost have these kind of little stories to them. Um, mm-hmm. And by the end of the game, when you actually defeat the Dragon Lord, you know they all it, it's very cute and, and charming. They all congratulate you. And uh, their, their lives move on. They're not just these static characters. Hmm. Uh, so for me, like the story isn't just the overarching plot, but the little stories in each of the towns and each of the, the characters. Uh, I it's love very, that distinction. Because
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there is a difference between plot and then there's a difference between story. Um, and all of these words, narrative, that sort of thing. You're you're essentially crafting that story as you choose. You're like, mm-hmm. well, this time I'm going to cross this swamp and go to this town. I'm going to rescue the princess. I'm going to fight the dragon now. I'm going to go on and do some grinding now. I'm going to fight this monster or that monster. There's a kind of a sense of openness to this game. Um, and yeah. so you're building that journey based on your choices, not based on characters' choices, based on yours. And so... Yeah. That's not really the same thing though as as the plot, where the plot is just bare, bare bones, very simple. Yeah. Um so but I think though that there is still a value if that's something that you as a player can personally appreciate, um there is a value to playing RPGs that have these very simple kind of fairy tale things. Not necessarily that you're going to, you know, walk away and be inspired to be courageous because the hero in Dragon Quest 1 was, but um, you could still get some enjoyment out of this game I'm I did you know playing mm-hmm. the switch version so um but I think I've on the flip side of the coin you know not I've come to appreciate that that there there's a limit to some people's degrees of appreciation. mine kind of ends a little bit before the the NES if I go back and play anything before that I just I don't have fun at all. <sighs> Um, but there are a few games from that area where I do have fun. And so with folks who are younger than me or folks who had different experiences than me with playing games, if they say I can't go back further than PS1, then that's just that's as far as they can go back. Um, mm-hmm. I might cry and moan about them missing out on great games on the Super Nintendo and NES. But if they can't enjoy those things, if they think that the graphics are utterly garish and despicable uh if they think they're just too slow and grindy and that sort of thing then that's that's all right um but yeah. if you can enjoy this sort of thing then then I say go
1: f- go for it but just don't expect you know an engaging story no yeah you have to with those games it's it's about how you approach them mm-hmm. and uh you have to kind of fill in the gaps with your own imagination with, which is its own uh I don't know, unique feature to those older games. Definitely,
0: definitely. Because you're populating that world with your imagination in a way that modern games don't allow you to do because they're so full of lore. They're so full of characters who have voices, um, real voices that you can hear with your ears. Um, One of my favorite things growing up was making voices for NPCs and reading the dialogue to, uh, to my little brother, I can't do that. <laughs> a lot of modern games today, even NPCs are voiced.
1: Yeah, that I, I believe that was a, a big uh, uh, design decision uh, that Yuji Horii did uh, for this game uh, was having a silent protagonist and being and that character just being one character. Mm. You know, you don't have a whole bunch of because char- a lot of RPGs you have like your avatar character, uh, but you're also controlling all these other characters and it gets confusing, like which one is actually me, mm. and then that character is not actually silent. But this one, he's like a pure silent character.
0: Yeah. I, I, I remember... I'm I, Sorry to bring it up again. Chrono Trigger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a debate between... I think it was between Hori and uh, another group of the developers and kind of split the developing team in half um, as far as whether they should make Chrono a silent protagonist or... Or a yeah. speaking protagonist. The silent protagonist, the benefit is the player gets to insert themselves into that avatar. But with a speaking protagonist, that you're creating a full-fledged character that the player is either going to identify with or not. And so I've, they're just different approaches. I don't think one is better than the other. I've appreciated games with speaking protagonists, and I've appreciated games with silent protagonists. But I think it does, that decision very much influences um the kind of game and the kind of story that is being told absolutely uh so one of the other endearing aspects of the story uh and that texture of dragon quest is sort of this antiquated english dialogue um which i had no idea was going to be there at all (laughs) um so i was like pleasantly surprised that did you enjoy it Yeah. um, Well, so here's my take on that. Um, I've played some games where they try and go for this sort of uh, antiquated English thing where I'm just like, that's 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 crap. You made that up. (laughs) And then other times where I'm like, "Okay, that sounds a a little more authentic. And then sometimes where it's it's done well enough uh, and it has that that flavor without being utterly cumbersome. And so I would put, uh, I would put Dragon Quest um, one, the version that I played at least, as a good example of the first of those three things that I mentioned, where it seemed decent enough, it was consistent enough, um, I enjoyed it, I thought that it was, uh, that it was a fairly well done, fairly authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, Sort of thing. And then I've played other games like uh, Octopath Traveler. There's a character in there that speaks with a kind of antiquated English. And I just found it terrible. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't exactly remember specifically why. There were like some phraseology where I was like, what is, what are you even saying? Um, And then the third option there, again, Chrono Trigger with Frog. It's not the most authentic, but I think it gives a kind of flavor to it. um, And it's its own sort of thing. But trying to look this up just briefly, um, the North American version of Dragon Quest had dialogue rendered in antiquated English or more specifically early modern English. Um, And the, the piece that I read said someone in the vein of Shakespeare or the King James Bible. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, that's kind of like, if you're, if you're going to attempt this, you'd better have that level of authenticity, of like a translation where they're like we're going specifically for the beauty of the language um, right, and so I felt like Dragon Quest did a good job, but what what did you think? Was that something that graded with you
1: for me that it's one of my favorite aspects of the dragon Quest games actually is is all the different types of uh dialects and stuff that they use uh because they are they are fairly authentic compared to other games mm-hmm. um, and for me, what they do to the games is they again, they make it, they make them feel more like fairy tales, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're from a different time or a different world where people just speak differently. And you're going to have to sometimes, you know, unpack what someone's saying because they're, they they don't quite speak your dialect. Um, mm-hmm. But what's interesting too is within any one game, usually there's multiple types of dialects. There's not just the one uh, Shakespearean type speech there's you know the king might speak with that shakespearean speech but maybe someone in a in some town might have a cockney accent or something like that mm. right so they use these to uh also characterize npcs mm-hmm.
0: and that texture that it gives that that sense of the differences of culture and region yeah uh, i just thought it was wonderful it was nice yeah uh, i don't know how much they touched that up for the switch version Maybe they did. Uh, maybe not, but yeah, it was decent. so mm-hmm. I mean I could see it grading with some people, but it didn't bother me. Moving on here to a couple things from gameplay. So one thing that we mentioned earlier was there's a single character in uh, Dragon Quest 1, the hero. Uh, so you do not have a party which is also something that did surprise me about this game. I was not expecting that at all. I thought at any point I was like, I'm going to get a second character. Nope. Yeah. Never get a second character.
1: Yeah. I was really hoping when you rescued a princess, that something happens, you know, mm-hmm. either that you can like use her as a human shield. <laughs> or she becomes a party. Join your party
0: at least. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That would have been interesting. So, I actually found the single character thing really compelling. Reason is because it turned, it, it'll, it, it forced me to think about JRPG battles without being like, okay, this is my healer character, this is my tank, this is my damage dealer, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. This is my spellcaster, this is my melee character. Uh, it forced me to think in terms of I need to make every turn that I get count or I'm going to get overwhelmed. If I don't heal now, then I'm not going to get the chance to, and I will be dead. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the climax of my appreciation for that single character system is when I fought the last boss. Because I was like, this is a duel, one-on-one, Dragon Lord versus Hero, uh, and it it just made it so epic for me.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I can't really think of any other games that have just a single character throughout the whole game.
0: Right, in JRPGs, yeah, definitely. That's um, yeah,
1: quite rare. Quite rare. It,
0: so, then Dragon Quest, also, you could pin it on that idea of uh, the party members and that sort of thing, um, it being introduced to JRPGs. You no, know, Final Fantasy sort of introduced the jobs and things like that, but yeah. when I started playing Dragon Quest, I already got a sense of like these characters have differing um, kind of stats and specialties and that sort of thing. Mm hmm. But as far as the single character, I loved it. Um, Something you wanted to bring up was dungeon crawling.
1: Yeah, so one interesting thing, I guess, in Dragon Quest is you need, like, a torch. Was that in the Switch version? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. you need a torch. And at a certain level, you get the Radiant spell, which gives you a little bit more uh, sight in the dungeons.
0: Yeah, that made dungeons uh, fairly hard to navigate.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Uh, they're very maze-like. There's yeah. literally, there's like no, very few landmarks.
0: Yeah, I tried to do it just entirely off my head and uh, not being able to see the entire screen made that pretty difficult.
1: Yeah, that's why I usually go into a dungeon with a guide handy, mm-hmm. uh, a map You're or not something. wasting
0: that much time then, you know? Uh, no. it It is kind of a time waster to be like, crap, this is a dead end.
1: Yeah, and yeah. and then usually there is some sort of useful item that I end up missing. Uh, and I'm always paranoid about that, so.
0: Yeah, and then on top of that, you have the limited inventory system. So yeah. that bit me in the butt a couple times. Um, where I'm in a dungeon, I'm like, shoot, I really want to take this item with me, but I don't have the space for it. <laughs> and then uh, a final kind of thought about open worlds. Um And we kind of mentioned it a little earlier, but, uh, you know, do you consider this an open world
1: game? In a sense, it is. Yeah, you can practically go anywhere right from the start of the game. Mm -hmm. It's just the game will gate you off based on your stats. But it, it is cool that the game actually shows you the final dungeon right at the beginning of the game.
0: Yeah, right across from that lake.
1: Yeah, it's kind of breath in the wild in that way.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. And you brought up Breath of the Wild, we were talking about it earlier. earlier. Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of people were like, well, Breath of the Wild is the first you know, open-world Zelda. And it's like, if you played the first Zelda, it is, it is not at all. Yeah. Um, so interesting, yeah, that they were playing around with open-world concepts um, way back when, even.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's tons, tons of, well, not tons of, but there's a fair amount of optional things that you can do there's a f- there i believe there's one or two optional dungeons you can go through uh there's one town that i actually missed completely on my first playthrough wow uh, yeah which i kind of hated because it would have made my playthrough way easier wow was it the puff puff town uh <laughs> i think it was another one okay <laughs>
0: When I saw that, I was like, oh, Toriyama.
1: Love Puff Puff Town. Yeah. And then, of course, rescuing the princess is entirely optional.
0: Right, um, which is surprising. Um, <laughs> there was uh duct tape plays asked Did you know that you could totally bypass saving the princess in the first one? Good times, good times. Uh, <laughs> when he said that, I was like, could you? Because I didn't. I mean, I, you know, I grabbed her right, right away, but. Uh, I I totally guess you can. You could just what, fight that dragon or can you skip the dragon entirely? Yeah, like you don't have to dragon? fight the dragon. No, so you just go do the Dragon Lord thing and that's it?
1: Yeah. Oh. Wow. Well I, then I, I love that though cuz you will have to fight or save the princess to get some hint for some uh important item, but I do like how it rewards you for uh subsequent pl- uh playthroughs. Oh, okay. If you already have that knowledge. I see. Uh, I didn't. So
0: yeah, I rescued her. Definitely did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that, I mean, at first I was like, so you beat the dragon Lord, the, you, you end the game. What is she just stuck in that cage for forever. But then after you beat the dragon Lord, there's no more monsters and you've returned light to the realm and all that stuff. So they could have just sent in, you know, a convoy of soldiers over there. <laughs> I suppose green dragon would have been long gone. <laughs> Well, let's sure. wrap up with some final audience questions. By the way, if you're listening and you're like, why do other people get to ask questions? Look, you can ask questions too or share a comment to get a mention on this show. Uh, but if you want to do that, then you need to keep an eye on my Twitter, at Mage, where I announce the topics for each Magecast episode in advance. You can also email me at Mage at gmail.com, if anybody still emails uh, this is also the portion of the show where I announce the next episode's topic. And this is our Halloween episode, actually. Um, and I think it's somewhat fitting. But we're going to be talking about Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. But you thought I was going to say, like, Final Fantasy Twelve or something. <laughs> we're going to talk about The Spirits Within, the movie. Um, and my guest on that one is going to be one of the CG artists who worked on the spirits within so I'm looking forward to kind of picking his brain on that and giving uh sharing a little bit of insight into how that film was made um, I'm not gonna reveal his name just yet so you can look out for that on Twitter that's awesome yeah that I'm gonna sense. have to
1: watch the movie though yeah you're gonna have you seen the movie <laughs> no
0: oh you know what let's watch the movie let should have a movie night heck yeah <laughs> heck yeah <laughs> let's do it all right. So Duct Tape Plays said, uh, I just played through the first three Dragon Quest games not too long ago. Bravo, by the way, for completing the three of them. I completed one and a half. Yeah,
1: that's a huge one.
0: Yeah, that's great. Uh, His thoughts. What are your thoughts on the interconnectedness of these games? So we kind of addressed that uh, a little bit. But do you like let's kind of phrase that a little bit more to pull some out of you. Um, do you like that idea of kind of doing the trilogies? Would you like to see Dragon Quest do that again? Or are you just kind of fine with the standalone?
1: Uh, I I definitely think that having sequels and prequels and whatnot, uh, opens up a lot, um, of just storytelling, uh, potential, Mm -hmm. uh, for the series, um, Especially in, in, in the vein of this, where you can, you can turn certain characters into, you know, heroes and, like, you know, ancient bygone heroes and all that stuff. I, I don't know, I just love that. Mm. Um, I, I think it's great. Especially, th- there's a big, I don't know, you gotta you got play Dragon Quest III because there's some spoilers, but there's some great stuff um, that can only be done if this was, if, if there's sequels involved.
0: Ah, well, maybe this will spur me on to do it. Yeah. Uh, finally. I, I I think I got stuck in two. I got to
1: figure two, out <laughs> what that was. <laughs> two is uh, a rough one.
0: I, I think I just jumped off. Oh, I remember. There's that part where you have to climb to the top of the tower and then jump yeah. off and glide except uh, uh the part where you jump off like breath of the wild like breath of the wild it was there open world <laughs> game. oh my gosh uh except the part where you jump off at the top of the tower was like a ledge that had a left yeah. facing and an uh an up facing edge and i uh-huh. jumped off the left facing edge expecting that i was going to glide across the river and i just fell to the bottom of that same oh, tower that i just no. climbed up and i was like well screw you dragon quest 2
1: <laughs> so i didn't dude it i ever. played dq2 on mobile uh-huh. with the touch touchscreen controls oh no so all those dungeons man were <laughs> were awful yeah where you could you, i would constantly fall i'm like yeah. no yeah that
0: sucks did you beat yeah. it uh yeah you have greater fortitude than i
1: do sir <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> took a couple years
0: yeah a couple years yeah um all right this question's from games with coffee Who said, the first Dragon Quest was my very first RPG and I hold fond memories of playing this game with old friends from my childhood. What was your favorite enemy to face against in Dragon Quest? Mine were either the gold golems or the metal slimes.
1: How about you? Metal slimes.
0: Metal slimes. I grinded. Grounded? Grinded. (laughs) I did grind. Sent them them to the room. uh, For a little bit. Grounded? Is that what she said? (laughs)
1: Sent them to their room.
0: Sent them to their room. You're grounded. You're grounded. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to stick with the Dragon Lord fight. That was that was wonderful. One-on-one, a duel to the death. Nice. Uh, I liked that he was like, join me, and together we rule the galaxy as father and son. And I was like, okay, the first time, because <laughs> I wanted to uh, see what <laughs> happened, you know?
1: Uh, and you got the game over.
0: Yeah, and I was like, shoot, it just gives you game over? All right. go down so actually, there again and tell him no.
1: Dragon Quest Builders is based on if you say no or if you say yes. What? The whole story, yeah. It's, it's like a spin-off of that story.
0: Ah, oh, like a what if kind of Yeah. A, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. All right, final question here. This is from Burko, who said, do you think the series would have done better here in the U.S. in early years if they had used Toriyama's art instead of trying to westernize it? Chrono Trigger was popular in the States before Dragon Ball Z random trivia Chrono Trigger 1995 was released approximately a year before Dragon Ball Z 1996 debuted on American TV. So way back in the beginning, we were talking about, uh, Mm. how, you know, this, this series didn't exactly find its footing in the West until much later, um, despite being released in North America. um, you know, what could they have done to have made it more popular? Would keeping Toriyama art, I mean, would that have helped, do you think?
1: I think it would have helped marginally. Okay. Uh, I just think they released it too late. They localized it too late. They just should have brought it over sooner, huh? Yeah.
0: Um, That's a safe. That's a moderate answer. That's good. I'm trying to think. I mean, so, like, in... Did they keep like redoing the cover art all through this series. Oh yeah, Dragon Quest 4 had just like a sword on it. Is that what Dragon
1: Quest 4? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Dragon Quest 5 looks like it Dragon didn't Quest come over 5 didn't even the, come out. Yeah. 5 and 6 didn't even come out in the West till like mid 2000s.
0: Yeah, on the DS, huh? And uh-huh. then 7 and, uh... uh looks like 7 was the first where they started uh using the uh the Toriyama art on the mm-hmm. cover uh, in the West. And then I know eight does cause I have that one. But yeah, again, at that
1: point, Toriyama was worldwide.
0: Right. So they're like, we're definitely not replacing it with like a, 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 sword, <laughs> a sword over a black background. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's kind of just a very generic yeah, image too, for an RPG. Like what kid is going to be like, Oh cool. It has a sword in it. Get this one, dad. <laughs> like they all have swords in them. So yeah, it's not that impressive, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I think marginally could have helped. That's, that's potentially uh, a good answer. I think that um, you're, you're spot on though. I mean, you're right. If they'd released these kind of closer to their original date and localized them faster, they might've been more successful
1: for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, all fairy tales must come to an end. And this specific fairy tale this mage cast is over.
1: No, But,
0: as I always say, the legend will live on. Uh, Russell will live on. I'll live on. Russell, thanks very much for walking randomly into this castle so I could ask you to go (laughs) rescue my daughter. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thanks so much.
1: Yeah, it was great. Uh, Just a quick reminder, where can our listeners find you? Twitter, Russ Gordon. That's R-U-S underscore Gordon. I don't tweet very much. I usually just Retweet like songs or whatever. <laughs> when well, you uh, do
0: tweet, it's special.
1: Sure. That's what that means. <laughs> no.
0: uh,
1: and on YouTube, I'm Russell G. Hello. Occasionally I'll up- upload a song or something like that. So check it out. And you still got
0: your SoundCloud too?
1: I got a SoundCloud. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shred Russell. It's soundcloud.com slash shred Russell dash one.
0: Yes. And folks, so Russell uh, the Bard has done. Music that has appeared on Magecast and is currently appearing on Story Mode. So, first of all, thank you very much for letting us use those pieces of music, Russell.
1: Thanks for using them.
0: Yeah, no problem. (laughs) It was relatively easy, actually. (laughs) <laughs> uh but uh they're they're great pieces of music uh the dude does uh, a, a range of different kinds of music um i just think your stuff is real catchy um uh, it's really memorable it has so like i've li- one of my best friends growing up actually ended up uh becoming a guy who wrote music for a couple of uh indie games and oh, wow. uh yeah i don't, I don't think what i ever mentioned that to you i don't know indie games There's a lot of those. (laughs) They're not important. I actually haven't talked to him for like 15 years, so I don't know. Oh, okay. I just know that's what he did. He went to like music school and stuff like that. But um, anyway, though, listening to a lot of, I don't think his stuff is like this, but listening to a lot of music over so many years from so many different games, there's a lot of music that sounds really generic. Yeah. Um, And I think your stuff has like good kind of kick to it and and a a passion to it and there's there's a lot of variety as well so definitely check that out folks i'm going to drop uh links in the description say hi to russell um bug him about dragon quest trivia because i'm telling you if he's played dragon quest one on every platform except for msx the dude knows dragon quest so (laughs) (laughs) you can pick his brain uh but thanks again for being on the episode Russ. i appreciate it thank you man take care all right you too bye-bye a thousand thank yous for listening to Magecast. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to help us promote the art and joy of conversation, you can help support the show by visiting our crowdfunding campaign at patreon.com forward slash Mage, where you can get a broader perspective on our vision for the future of gaming and gaming community. Conversely, you can also drop a review for the show on platforms like Apple Podcasts, which will really help us out, Even more conversely, honestly, simple interaction itself is greatly encouraging. So if you're listening to this, hey, let me know what you think about the discussion, what you think about Dragon Quest. You can pop into our Discord Mage Chat and chat it up if you like in amiable and civil fashion. Links in the description. But that's all for this episode, and though it's over, that legend will live on. Passed down by the dwarves, the elves, and the dragons. Okay, so look, you've been thinking to yourself for a while now about launching a podcast. I mean, I've met a lot of people who have talked about starting their own show. The difference between you and them could be that you're actually going to do it. You're actually going to create something, contribute, share your message, reach an audience, and just let your voice be heard. There's never been a better time to create a podcast than now. But there's tons of research to do, and hosts, and catchers, and resources to sort through, and honestly, it can feel overwhelming. I should know, I've helped launch a handful of pods myself in the past few years. But the most essential component that I've found for the shows I'm a part of has been Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is the host I use for Magecast, it's the host of Story Mode, Philosophy Raga, SideQuests. But it's also so much more than just a host. They have powerful analytics, an expanding directory of apps, monetization features, helpful guides, embed tools, and a custom URL for each show that's really helped our podcast out. Sure, it is a highly saturated arena of content, podcasting, but I believe you get what you put into it, and Buzzsprout has been a key ingredient. Podcasting should be easy, as easy as having a conversation. And Buzzsprout takes a lot of the pain out of finding an audience, uploading to catchers, and delivering consistent, quality content. It's time now to quit daydreaming about that podcast you've always wanted to do and just start. You can always upgrade your gear later. You can always upgrade to a bigger plan later if you need the space. Check out the link in this episode's description to sign up for Buzzsprout and let them know that we sent you. If you sign up for a paid plan, you can net a $20 Amazon gift card as a bonus. Plus, you'll be helping to support this show through that affiliate link as well. Don't let the sun set on your dreams. Listen, seize the day, folks. And if you have questions about what using Buzzsprout is like, reach out to us on Twitter or by email. You can tag me at The Well Read Mage. Now go make a podcast.